0: Do you know why the joke is canceled? Because um, my 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 flying chicken get ga- gone. But I could tell you the joke right now, okay? So, let the um, the well the flying chicken jump over the moon. Because he had to shoot himself. <laughs> so everybody, I'm gonna play from R.S. Okay. So Jesus, I play from areas. Um, we have a good time, and we we know Jesus, and we could. We have a good time, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, buddy. You can go Come back. So we're about to have a good time. <laughs> we He just prayed for us to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. Come on. Holy Spirit, so much happened during worship, and uh, you're going to you're going to understand how prophetic my friend Jamal is up there. But we're also covenant brothers, so uh, okay, we got that going too. Um, but I was just, before we get into the word uh, tonight, I just, uh, just thinking, he, he, he was singing a few lines from, uh, from one of the songs that he said that, uh, you know, uh, death could not hold there's a scripture in, uh, in Acts, where it says, um, I believe it was Peter, he was giving his first sermon at Pentecost, and he says this frayed phrase. It said he said it was impossible for death to hold him. Like death comes to all men. It was the fatal foe. It was, you know, every man who has sinned has encountered death, the wages of sin is death, and death has taken every man. But then I could just picture this dramatic scenario in the balance of eternities where death met its his match, right? And there's this man <laughs> where death came to him to try to hold him down, and he just passes through him like a tough guy, saying... You, you didn't even give me a challenge. Because here's the truth. If death did hold him down, then I would be held down too by my own sin. Come on. Death holds us down because we were held down by sin. We were made, Sin was our master. It had its foot on our necks, right? Right, man? See, we're, we're not up here, holy, righteous individuals of ourselves. I mean, listen. We do not have it all together. Like we don't, we don't. No matter what, we're not professionals at this. We don't have it all together. But the grace of God, because He walked through death and death could not hold Him down, and He rose from the dead, the grave. He gave me new life. So now I put my foot on what put his, well, what once put His foot on me. I conquer that which conquered me. It's so awesome. Let's just worship the Lord just for a moment. I just I just I, I just still have that oil flowing. Lord, we worship you, God. Just stand to your feet. Let's just take a moment. We want to we want to look at you, Jesus. Lord, you are the most important thing about this night, God. Lord, it's not about a message. We want to encounter you, Jesus. And we cry out to you. We say, Lord, you are our Savior. You are the Savior of the world. God, we come to you not because we have it all together, but because we need you, Lord. We need a Savior, God. We need the real thing, Lord. We need your anointing. We need your Holy Spirit, Lord. We need to see your glory. We need to see your glory, God. We need to see you, Lord. Open up our eyes, God. Open up our eyes that we would see what the angels see. God, day and night, night and day, they cry out, worship you. Holy, holy, holy. God, what do they see? I want to see, Lord. Just put your hand over your eyes and just say, Lord, I want to see. Crack it open, Lord. I want to see, Lord. I want to see, Lord. And I don't want to see what I saw yesterday, Lord. I don't want to rely on yesterday, Lord. Today's a new day. I want to see. I want to peer into the mystery called God. I want my heart awakened to the realities of who you are. Go ahead. Pray for yourself right now. Just out of your own heart's cry. You could be feeling nothing right now. It doesn't matter. Just out of that hunger, saying, Lord, I need awakening. I need I need my soul to look and peer into the glory. It's my right, it's my inheritance. It's what he rose from the grave for. He rose so that I could peer into his glory. This is what I desire that they be with me where I am, that they would behold my glory. That's what he said. John 17:24 says. That they would be with me, Father. This is what I desire. This is what Jesus desires. That you would be with him. That you would peer into his glory. God, this is our right. This is our birthright, Lord. You didn't make us born again for a Sunday service, Lord. We love the Sunday service. You made us born again so that we could peer into the glory of the Lord and not explode, Lord. Father, I pray, blow our minds with eternity, Lord. Lord, come. Come, Lord. Lord, come. My words are weak, but your words are full of life and spirit. Your words are full of life and spirit. And we desire nothing but life and spirit tonight. We place a demand on the life and spirit of the living God. That's what David would pray. He said, God, don't give me this, this is the stories about God. I want the living God. My heart and flesh, they cry out for the living God. If you are living God, my heart and flesh are crying out. I am hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I know you real. I know you're living. I know you're sealed at the right hand of the Father. It's our yay. Either that's real or I'm busted. Either that's real or I'm crazy. Either it's real or either you're alive and you're living and you're hearing us. And I like those odds. All of our eggs are in this basket, Lord. We have no plan B, Lord. Speak to us, God, lest we die. <laughs> Lord, who are we but just trophies of your grace, Lord? Sons of the Most High. We take ownership of that, Lord. But I pray you speak to us tonight, Lord. We want the rhema, God. We just place a demand on the rhema. We're so hungry for the rhema, God. We're so hungry. For the word that proceeds out of your mouth, God. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Holy Ghost. So, um, I think I know most every one of you, uh, but if I don't know you, uh, how do you transition? <laughs> like, I'm trying to be, like, natural now. <laughs> my mind's so, like, I hear my wife going, be practical, too. <laughs> My wife and I are missionaries in Kona, Hawaii, and we go to the different nations, uh, especially before this whole pandemic, <laughs> and uh, we, we have a ministry to the nations of the world, and um, yeah, I just want to give you opportunity to partner with us. Uh, I, I, I have received some of my most dearest partners from this church, and I, I cherish Every single one of you guys who have stood with us and prayed with us, and supported us, it uh, I could I could cry like it. I just I see it as holy and holy relationships like that. Uh, you know those who the Lord has put in our lives to on this mission. You know we've been given an assignment from the Lord, and I see you just right alongside of us and saying. We're we're with it. your assignment is my assignment. It's like a true covenantal relationship. So if you feel a tug in your heart at all, I I just want to invite you uh, to consider uh, come alongside and partnering with us. Um, come talk to me, and I have uh, little sheets in the back. Uh, it's the most generic looking thing on the <laughs> on that table. That's oh, it's mine. You know, like this is just a black and white sheet. And form and uh, and then just get a hold of me uh, because we really want to be intentional we don't want uh, we don't want people just to give us money we want partnership we want those who have been assigned to what we're assigned to and so we'd rather go broke than to be assigned, be an yoked. yoke I don't say that uh, harshly but if you're if you're not supposed to be in the boat then get off jonah <laughs> you know like that's what we're but if you are then come on board cuz it's going to be a crazy ride <laughs> and you just might like come to Myanmar with me or or some of these different nations or you know i might i might pull on you or or, or you know just it's been crazy <laughs> lately <laughs> it's been absolutely nuts is it okay to say that and still be in faith it's been a crazy year, huh? 2020. Gotta love 2020. We'll look back and say, man, 2020, it whooped us pretty good. <laughs> and it's it's like this, it's like this shaking that's been happening. And everybody has felt it in, in some measure. And it's like, uh, you know, there's the, these jokes, these Christian jokes, and I... I like which seal is gonna be broken today? <laughs> what 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 bowl of Revelation is gonna be poured out today? You know, like you know. Uh, but in 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 reality, the Lord's shaking everything that can be shaken. And it and it's the truth, right? And and these things that are that were dormant in our hearts are rising to the surface, and these issues that we tried to hide can, is are no longer we're, we're no longer able to hide because he's shaking so much that you're, it's like it's go time it's game time like and, and there needs to be a sobriety in the body of Christ knowing the times and seasons that we're in Lauren Cunningham since the 80s has been prophesying for uh, about 2020 and he calls it get this the year of breakthrough. How many believe that? Come on. Come on. That's my faithful. That's my faithful. The year of breakthrough. Say that with me. The year of breakthrough. But what if breakthrough came in a way that we did not think of? We're, we're in this global pandemic, and I really feel this in my spirit. That what if he's using this thing called a pandemic To humble the people, right? Because humility heals the ground. If my people who call upon my name humble themselves, that's the first ingredient, right? It's humility. What do you do in a pandemic but humility? We have no other issues. We have no other answers, Lord. Unless you come, we perish. That's where we're at. That's our program. How many of you guys signed up for that program? Our nation's in turmoil. Is it okay to say that? And we're looking at it, and it is, it's so hard to look at as an intercessor, but it's happening. What other plan do we have? But Lord, we need an outbreak of the Holy Spirit for our land. So what if he's using all of this to till and break through the hard ground? And what we couldn't break through through just nice services and and lovely messages, God is saying, I'm tilling the ground because a global harvest is coming. It's a year of breakthrough. Watch. <laughs> but how do you respond? How do you respond in times of shaking, in times of turmoil? And I, I just felt like the Lord opened up this chapter in Matthew. And there's this progression. And I my my message tonight is about the resource of affection that we, we have as a reservoir in, inside of us. And and that in times of in times of shaking, it's like those. Those areas rise up in our hearts, and we choose this day whom we will serve. The, the gray areas are thinning out. And the the spirit of Elijah, John the Baptist, the voice cries out before the return. And it says, if the Lord thy God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. And I feel like the Lord is opening this up and I, I feel like it's gonna be on a couple different levels. It will be on an individual levels to for us to take ownership of. You might it might jump off the page at you and say, Yeah, that's that's me. That's what I was created for. But I, I guarantee you that each phase, there's three phases that I wanna I wanna go through as like a, a, a progression through this chapter in Matthew that it's also happening on a corporate level and on a global level. There's global prophecies that are about to be fulfilled. And we are, like, the reason why you, that's important to us is it ties us into a greater purpose that's beyond ourselves. And that I, I really do believe that the Lord is growing up his church so that we no longer have just these self-help things and we just go to church to st- to help ourselves when we're supposed to die to ourselves so that we can be good and useful to the world around us. So it begins on the individual level. But if it ends there, then it, we, we have failed tonight. Can I say that again? It begins at an individual level, but if it ends there, then we remain selfish and ineffective and short-sighted. I'm going to be that real tonight. I love you guys. You see the grin on my face. I'd hug every single one of you guys. And 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 listen. I know everyone's hearts here are, are, are for this. So just come along with me on this journey and we'll go we'll go there. <laughs> All right? It's Matthew 26. If you get you have your Bible and after Bob Sorge's message, I'll hopefully you do or No no shame, but just shame. <laughs> what a shame. No no. I'm I'm playing with you. I need a drink. So the writer it begins Matthew 26 it begins this with this and now it came to, it came to pass that when Jesus had finished all these sayings he said to his disciples you know that after two days, the pa- it is the Passover feast, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. So Jesus sets into motion through a prophecy. says, you know, it is time. And, and, and it's interesting because like, it's almost like every single feast I get a, a text message from Pastor Lonnie saying, be aware, we have a listening ear, something's about to happen. Anybody else get a text message from fashion line? Well, this feast he says there's there's something unique. Your world's about to be turned upside down. So we're going to we're going into this feast, but just be be forewarned. You're you're about to enter into this hour of shaking. Alright? At the beginning of this hour of shaking. I love this. It begins, verse six. Says when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the Leper, a woman came and having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. So at this be- at the beginning of this hour, it be the writer begins with this story. Of a broken alabaster jar. It's amazing. This this marks the beginning, the beginning point of of what what's about to transpire. It always begins with a, a worship movement. And I love. He says a woman came to him having a uh, alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. So it was. It was costly because it was costly. It, it cost her something, right? And I love that it says that he was at the table. Jesus was at the table. Now, time out. I love the table that the Lord sets before me. I love the table that he sets before me. He sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies, He feeds me good things, the choices of food, the most fragrance of wine. He feeds my soul the best food. Best food, you don't even know. I'm not in lack or need. The Lord sets a table before me, and not just before me in the presence of my enemy. So I get to, my, my feasting is me gloating before my enemy, right? What what, tr- what is trying to discourage me? I take a big chunk of joy and uh, tear right into that chicken wing. Come on. I love the table that the Lord sets before me. But there's a moment in our walk with Jesus where there's opportunity to set a table before him. Can I say that again? There's a moment we say, all right, the time of eating figs underneath the tree is over. Now it's time to serve Him. What do you want? Not just I'm gonna do a bunch of stuff for you. What do you want to be served, Lord? <laughs> what what kind of thing, what kind of fruit do you want me to produce? out of my life that you can take off those tree off my my vine and feast upon lord what kind of th- things do you want me to produce out of my garden that i can set before you lord and he feasts and it was in that place that the alabaster jar was poured out upon him it's such a powerful act that jesus later says let's read it 13 says, surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, this what this woman uh, has done will be also told as a memorial uh, to her. So he's, he says, although his disciples were offended, right? Extravagant worship offends the religious spirit, right? It offends people. It's, it was so extravagant. It filled the room with the fragrance and it offended the religious uh, spirit. Those who, not just the religious spirit, those who were following him were offended. And notice that no disciple had poured an alabaster jar. It wasn't a disciple. It was this, this woman. Could you imagine being the woman saying, I know he's in there. But he is worth this alabaster jar mark my words malachi 111 says from the rising of the sun to its setting my name will be great amongst the nations and fragrance will rise to me from every tribe tongue and nation in the book of revelation we see the fulfillment of that it's a worship it's a global worship movement where every tribe tongue and nation will break their alabaster jar. And I believe it was this woman that initiated that movement. Do you guys get what happened? With one simple act, with one single-handed act, because she chose to spend her costly oil upon the one who was worthy, it sent ripple effects throughout eternity, and she was the first fruits of his Psalms 2 inheritance. If that don't get you out of your seat, I don't know what does. (laughs) A woman, she probably felt so insignificant and terrified, but his worth surpassed her, her fear of man. My question to you tonight is, what are you spending your resource of affection upon? Because it's not just the radical people that have this alabaster jar within them. Every single individual in this room has an unopened alabaster jar. The question is, what do you spend it upon? What do you spend your resource upon? Do you know his worth? Because I could see the inward struggle. This is is costly. This is this is this would provide for me. This would maybe give me status. This might take me over the top and over the edge. But she saw his worth. She saw his value. And that was the whole issue in Isaiah 53. They esteemed him not. Esteem not break down esteem, they had no value for him. He had no form or comeliness to him. It doesn't mean that Jesus was just butt ugly. I've heard preachers say that all my life. I don't believe it. I believe that the beauty that was within Jesus was not on the outside. There was glory. There was the treasure of hidden Uh, hidden in earthen vessels and to the naked eye you just pass by a Jewish man but to a heart filled with faith that knows their God he is the king of kings lord of lords worth it all worth every single alabaster jar in the whole universe he is worth the oil upon his feet like wine for you to drink like water from my heart I pour my love on you every last drop I pour upon you lord Is there an alabaster jar that is willing to be poured out? I tell you, my friends, you are not the only ones. We need your alabaster jar to be poured out upon him. We need you. See, it it, it doesn't just happen by saying, I'm walking to this altar. God, I pour out my alabaster jar on you. It, 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 It only happens when you look at him and you find out his worth. When you find him you find everything. When you find out how merciful he's been, the the oil flows. When you find out how faithful he is, how loyal he is, how transcendent he is, how beautiful he is, the oil will just flow automatically. You can't hold it back. Do you know who he is? This is happening on a global level. I am just I'm just thrilled to hear the reports that are happening all across the world. We you know I I'm sure I'm not the only group but I have these friends that are all partnering together all with our networks of people together and we're talking about a global see what the pandemic has done to us missionaries is we had to pivot and we've gone more digital than ever before. We always want to have our feet on the ground, 100%. Once things get lifted, I'm I'm going to be sent to a nation. I can't stand any longer. First nation that opens up, I'm going. Canada? Okay, I guess it's Canada. (laughs) Lord, send me. But the Lord's doing something unique where we've had to pivot, and we've had to focus on different nations like Myanmar, and we've done... Uh, Facebook campaigns and millions of people in Myanmar have heard the gospel through through Facebook, millions through our little laptop, and we say, Lord, how? Because he, He's so far beyond all like regulations, and <laughs> He's so outside the box, and we 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 are talking right now about doing a global. Prayer room where we will pray day and night, night nine day, twenty four seven on Zoom, and we will be partnering with all six continents of the world. That's what's. Do you guys realize what is what is happening there? I feel like you guys don't get it. (laughs) I I I I I I feel you, Kathy. Psalms two it says. Ask of me and I will give you the nations. He's talking to Jesus. The nations are not my inheritance. The nations are Jesus' inheritance. And that sent a ripple effect throughout the Gospels unto Revelation where it's like Jesus is saying, give me my Psalms too. Give me my Psalms too. I really feel like one of my assignments is to provoke the that Malachi 111 worship, that alabaster jar in the nation. What would it be like in their own culture, in their own tongue, for Mexico to raise up a fragrance to the Lord? At the same time, America is raising up her fragrance from the Lord. At the same time, Myanmar is raising up a fragrance. And can the bridegroom resist when that happens? Can the bridegroom resist the bride's fragrance? Where there's a global alabaster jar broken before him. Can he resist? That's what you're a part of. Vermont has a fragrance that needs to be released. I'm talking on a corporate level. There's a there's an alabaster jar. He says, this will not be taken away. He says, the poor you will always have about you. In that community center, I want you in prayer and worship all the way through. Worshiping like Brother Lawrence, saying, Lord, this is an offering to you, Lord. I'm not doing this for my own self-righteousness, to feel good about myself. This is my broken alabaster jar to you. And fragrance will arise. Fragrance will arise. It means something to heaven. I don't want my sacrifices to only mean something to man. That's so cheap. That's this. That's your reward, Jesus says. It ends there. But oh, if I could do this completely unto the Lord, where I I say, Lord, may every action I take, every gift, every offering I, I give, not be so that I'm seen, but Lord, that I be seen before an audience of one. He says, oh, that's a familiar smell. Because here's what happened in that story. He says, this has been done to me for my burial. So if it was costly perfume, if it was costly oil, then it stayed upon his body. And guess what? Guess what the soldiers smelled when he was being whipped? And they They'd wind back and they'd catch the wind and they... Why? Why am I smelling this fragrance? And he's carrying up his cross. He's getting weary because of the blood loss. And he falls and he catches a whiff of that woman's alabaster jar. And he picks up his crosses for the joy set before me. For the nations. This is for the nation. This is for my for the joy set before as they're nailing his feet. What is that smell? As he passed and he was wrapping his body. I believe you could still smell the oil upon his body. Could still, smell the extravagant worship. He says, This is why. This is the choice set before me. What are you spending your resource on? What are you spending the resource of affection on? Every other thing feels like such a cheap investment. It's interesting. This next person I want to examine. Verse 14. It's just another another spender of resource. I don't know what else to to call him. Verse 14. Exactly right after the woman with the alabaster jar. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out, 30 pieces of silver. So from then on, he sought for an opportunity to betray him. It's interesting how these stories are lined up. It's this extravagant worship and suddenly one of his own. Now, I look at Judas and I don't see one who followed Jesus as a betrayer. I don't believe that one one bit. I don't think he he said, I'm going to follow him because I know I can betray him. I know that, that, that 30 shekels of silver is mine. I believe he he started following Jesus with a sincere heart. You're talking to a man who went out and prayed for the sick and seen them recover. He went out in the Lord's authority. He cast out demons. Not only that, when Jesus preached one of his most offensive messages of eating his flesh and drinking his blood... The most offensive message that you could possibly tell a Jew. Jesus turned to the twelve and said, are you guys going to go too? There's the door. He was one who said, we're not going anywhere. We have the words of everlasting life. This was Judas. He was one of us. I know we don't like to think of him like that, but it's true. So we have to ask ourselves, what happened to Judas? What happened to that man? I believe Judas was an unkept garden, and little by little, he allowed the boundary lines of the law to come down. He was the treasurer. I'm gonna help myself to a couple quarters here. I mean, we work hard anyway. Like, why? Why not? Like, I, Jesus won't mind. He's full of grace and truth. Jesus won't mind if I take a little bit. I'm working hard. A worker is worthy of his wage, and he's justifying every action in his mind. And suddenly, he doesn't know it, but he's on this trail of desensitizing himself to the laws of the Lord. And he's spending his resources. Because he's not fully captured by Jesus, by the lover of his soul, he's captured with another lover. And I say that again? Because he's not fully captured by his the lover of his soul. He's captured with another lover. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, Because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Because people will act like there is no law. Now, they had love to begin with, but because... They acted like there was no law. There was just no boundary lines. Whatever goes, goes. We're all under grace. We're all under grace. He will forgive us. He understands. We'll take a little bit from the money jar. It says, your your love will grow cold. I remember I read that just recently. And I just got real with the Lord. I said, Lord. If lawlessness causes a cold heart, Lord, I want the laws of the Lord in my life. I want to love your ways. I want the boundary lines to fall to me in pleasant places. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I felt like I was touching the psalmist in in Psalms 119. I'm not saying that the law can save you. I'm saying I've been saved, I have righteousness, and I'm looking at his law and I'm saying that's the way I want to go. That's the way I want to walk. I don't want to go outside this place. Let me say it to you in a different way. I don't have to stick a needle in your arm and say don't do heroin. Don't get that law off of me. Right? We know that like something as extreme as heroin will kill you. Will still kill and destroy in your life. We've seen it happen. It's outside the original design the way the way Lord made life work. I'm saying when you truly see his laws and you fall in love with him and saying, "Lord, I love your ways." I love the way you work. I love walking in uprightness with you. Keep me in your ways. Let me not go astray. Let me go not go to the right or to the, li- the left. But Lord, I want to spend myself upon you. Then I believe I will have a burning heart of fire. If lawlessness causes a, a cold heart, then if i walk in his ways my heart will burn bright when i think about judas's story i think about our nation and the condition that it's in and i think about how we've played the harlot and we've gone after all other lovers and and there's abortion and all these other issues that have clouded our vision, and we, we've chosen convenience and greed and all these things, and we've forgotten our way. We've forgotten that we are under God. And I can't help but think of the book of Hosea. And I feel like we're in this hour in the of, of the book of Hosea where Hosea is such a unique book. Here's your, you are a prophet. Great. Or right, here's your prophecy to Israel. I want you to marry a harlot, and it, she's going to cheat on you a bunch of times. Does that sound good? You, you can call the other guy if you want. Like <laughs> That doesn't sound very good to me. If you haven't ever read the book of Hosea, it's about this prophet who marries a harlot, and it's this prophetic symbolism of Israel playing the harlot with God that God was supposed to be married to Israel and Israel was cheating on him with every other lover. And there's this moving part of the story where it gets my heart every single time because it shows God's passionate passionate heart for his people. Because he's unrelenting. He's so passionate. And I could just picture him speaking over Hosea. Hosea. She's she's literally bought into slavery. She's bought into just harlotry. Hosea, I want you to buy her back. But Lord, she doesn't want me anymore. Buy her back, Hosea. Lord, she's gone after every other lover. She doesn't even love me anymore. Buy her back, Hosea. Lord, I don't know. My heart's been so broken. I've I've given her my love. I've given her my resource. She just run off every single... Buy her back, Hosea! Just like I will buy back Israel! And it just so happens to be the bride price that he buys back his harlot wife is 30 shekels of silver. The same amount that Judas betrayed Jesus over. Could it be that Jesus... God in his sovereignty... He lined up time where he's saying, I will buy back my bride. I will buy her back from harlotry. And I tell you, and I prophesy over America, America is not through with God. There's still hope for America and He will buy her back by the blood of the Lamb and even the judge that got nominated it it, it tells my heart there's hope for America. There's hope for a swing. There's hope for a a mighty move of God across my generation that He's heard our cry. Beloved, if that's you where you have been captured by another lover, Don't mistake God's delay for just the way he is. His delay is his mercy, and he's waiting for you. He's still knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, I want to buy you back. But there will be a day of reckoning. There will be a day of judgment where every man and woman will stand before him. And you will stand before eternity between heaven and hell eternal hell and and it, it is punishment and and that is offensive to our flesh probably to our culture because our culture has lost this concept of a holy God sin is not just missing the mark sin is the complete enemy of the father and there will be a time where you have to decide am I going to get out of bed with my lover and follow after the lover of my soul? And I tell you, beloved, his grace is sufficient every single time. Paul said, consider both the kindness and the severity of God. It's true. And every sin that we've committed, every sin, He will take away by the blood of the lamb. And he will robe you with a righteousness that's not your own. If you just come to him. If you say, Lord, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this in my life. I don't want this other lover. I don't want to take change from the change jar anymore. If Judas would have did that, the Lord would have opened armed, hugged him, said, welcome back, my child. I I, I just was waiting for you to, to, to say that. His grace is sufficient time is short that's my message to you and then there's this third part of the story I want to go over it's so powerful verse 36 of the same chapter then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane he said to his disciples sit here while I go and pray there. And he took with him Peter and his uh, and the two sons of Zebedee. And began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. I believe that we are in the hour where the we Lord, you know, for the first, this this first wave, we... We voluntarily worship him in extravagance. And then there's this second where there's, there will be a massive falling away. And and you, can, I want to take another, just a moment to just stress this. There's a false morality movement where we just compare ourselves to one another and say, well, I'm good. And I'm telling you, friend, you're not good. <laughs> Only he makes you good. Only he makes you purified. right? And so we cannot use social media as our as our barometer for 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 morality. It just won't happen. The scripture is is your barometer for morality. You look into the mirror and as you look into the mirror, you will see your need for a savior and if you fall upon him, he will save you. But if you go your own way and you justify yourself and you say, "Well, I'm just a good guy." I would not want to stand on that ground. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You guys hear, you guys hear me? I'm saying this because I love every single one of you in this room. I want to I see every single one of you in your inheritance, a, 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 into the pearly gates. There'll be a moment where you stand before him. He has eyes of blazing fire. And he looks into our soul and he sees every act, <laughs> every action, every idle word, every motive of our hearts. In Hebrew, it says everything will be laid bare before his eyes. Everything. There will be no hiding on that day. You'll want to hide and there's nowhere to hide. How's that straight? There's nowhere to hide. And on that day, you will not stand on a false morality. You will not say, well, I tried to be a good, I intended to be a good person on that day. Our righteousness is filthy rags. So the only righteousness that we're able to produce is self-righteousness. And it's filthy to the king of kings. It's filthy. It it has nothing to do with religiosity and, oh, look at me, it's filthy to God. On that day, I will say, I have no claim to goodness in myself. I have no claim. Nothing. Apart from you, I have no good thing. (laughs) Apart from you, I have no good thing. What I'm robed in, is a righteousness that I gained through the cross. And because he died, man, I was a filthy sinner bound and, and, and addicted to pornography. I was I was lustful. I was a thief. I, I, I murdered my brother in my heart by being angry with him and, and hurt people in my life. But all oh, the blood of Jesus, I will stand clean before him. I have nothing to hide before him today, so I have nothing to hide before him that on that day. I am robed in righteousness, and he will open up those pearly gates and he will say, Well done, my good and faithful servant, and we will say, For that! And he will look we will look around and see the glorious inheritance of heaven and that we did not earn. It was not our goodness that earned it. And from our spirit will rise up a new song to the Lamb, saying, Lord, you have redeemed us from every tribe, tongue, and nation. It was you that did this. It was you that did this. You made us clean and pure with your blood. Holy, holy, holy are you, your King of kings and Lord of lords. And you will get what you did not earn on that day. It's a serious business. Many of you probably sense how strong I'm being, but I feel like the time is short, and I feel accountable as a preacher of the gospel, that if I don't come to you with these messages that, that could save this, your soul, that there's there's so much falseness that it's being proclaimed to us, that if no one proclaims the truth, then, no, then who will? And then I'm so glad there's a company of people here that are willing to proclaim the truth. I'm a green. many of us, time is short, don't be a Judas, should be the title of my message, <laughs> no, I'm not going to title it that, no one will click on it, <laughs> you got to market that, right, you got to trick them into, what in the world, you click on it. So there's this moment of extravagant worship, moment of betrayal, and then there's this intimate moment where Jesus invites us into his garden. This is the most intimate place in the Bible. He invites his disciples into his garden and says, before it was voluntary, now I'm asking you, would you come you imagine that i don't want to miss my hour where the lord is inviting me to pray with him to enter into his sorrows to enter into his sufferings it's this intimate place that not not all 12 disciples were able to go but he invited three out of the 12 disciples and said would you pray would you stay awake and pray because this hour of prayer will lead to another hour. It's an hour of darkness. The hour of prayer always precedes the hour of darkness. Would you stay? Would you watch and pray with me? And we all know the story. Their eyes were heavy within them, and they missed their hour, or they could have entered into one of the most intimate places where Jesus reveals his own weakness. He says, I I'm not hiding it from you guys. I want you to join me in that. I believe that in this last hour, that the Father is saying, would you come? Would you pray? Would you enter into this hour with me where it might seem insignificant to most or or The busyness of our lives will try to distract you from this hour. But it's this hour of intimacy. It's an increased intimacy hour. And I'm asking you to volunteer your hour to me. I'm asking you to enter into a a deeper place of intimacy where I show you the secrets of my heart. And I, I literally, I get vulnerable with you. And I entrust you with things in my heart. I don't want to miss my hour. I don't want to miss my hour. I want to be awake. And I, I can I be vulnerable with you guys? It feels like as things slow down, I've wanted to occupy myself with so many other things. It feels like, like, I, I don't want you to look at me as some holy guy. It feels like I've been so distracted in this past season. Like there's, it's developed this heart's cry saying, "Lord, I don't want to miss my hour. I don't want to miss my hour because so many other things are trying to pull for my attention. I want to be devoted for you. I want to be devoted to you. I want to be awake. I want my spirit alive in this hour, so that when the next hour comes, I'm ready." Can you all stand to your feet? This may have been a sobering message to some of you, but I just I just feel like the father is crying out tonight. He's, he's crying out to both lost sons and daughters, saying, Yeah, that's that's really me. That's really me. And maybe you've been you've been like Judas where you've once known him and you started off so sincere one of the things that the Lord spoke to me as I was reading about the story of the alabaster jar and I was being so moved by it he spoke over me he says you know Yesterday's everything isn't today's everything. Can I say that to you again? Yesterday's everything is not today's everything. Meaning, he he was pointing out something in my heart where I was depending on my surrender yesterday. He's saying there's a new alabaster jar today. There's There's a new surrender today that I want you to enter into. And I had to repent holding back my jar and saying I've been there, I've done that, I've gotten a t-shirt, I'm just sick. I'm sick of wasting my oil. I'm sick of the 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 energy that it takes. Is that real? <laughs> Pastors understand this. I'm sick of punching in and being pulled upon every single day and I've i li- I'm just <laughs> I remember when I was a pastor, I, I was just so exhausted. And saying, "Man, I'm, I'm just done with this. I'm just done with the politics." And the Lord just is speaking over us. He's saying, "Yesterday's surrender is not today." So will you break it afresh? Will you will you pour out new oil? Will you pour out extravagant worship? some of you who have just you felt like you've gone after other lovers and you've, you've felt the touch of the Lord before and you've gone in sincerity and maybe there was a sin pattern that you just couldn't get loose of I know what that's like where day in day out I've tried my hardest to break free and only to Prove to myself that I didn't have what it takes. I'd get up in the morning and say, Lord, I won't do this again. I'm sorry. And I'd do it again. And I'd get up the next morning. I promise you, I won't do this again. And I'd do it again and again and again. And it's just exhausting because I realize I've come to the end myself saying, I have no power against this thing. This thing is eating my lunch. tell you about this encounter that I had one time. I used to live with my pastor and his daughter came to me one morning and said, she said, I want to tell you about a unique gifting that I have. I said, okay. She goes, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I can hear people's spirits praying. Like I hear my my dad who's the pastor's spirit praying and I hear him preaching, and that following Sunday, it's the very words that he's preaching. And uh, she was a part of my youth group at the time, and I said, oh, that's really, really good. Thank you for sharing that. And I was just like almost writing her off. Sorry for not being that spiritual. She goes, well, I'm telling you this because last night I heard your spirit crying out to, to, to God. And she, she said, I heard you crying out, Mercy God. Mercy. Have mercy on me, God. And she said, I heard the Father's voice rise above your voice. And, and start crying out, You're forgiving, you're forgiven, Seth. You're forgiven. You just need a breakthrough. You're forgiven, Seth, you're forgiven. And then my voice would rise above his voice. Lord have mercy. How could you ever have mercy upon me? Lord, mercy! Mercy! And his voice would rise above my voice. You're forgiven. You need a breakthrough. And and it would just contend against one another until the Father's voice broke completely through. And she didn't know it, but at that time I was deeply addicted to pornography. She goes... Does that mean anything to you? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I I was showing my poker face. Then I ran to my room and I bawled like a baby. Because the father was teaching me something. He was saying. My voice is greater than yours, and my voice is saying you're forgiven. You have to break through every shame and guilt and know that you're a love, Seth, and I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. Just keep on pressing in. You'll break through. Keep on pressing in, Seth. You'll break through. Just know me. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Beloved, I've been 10 years porn free, completely clean. I stand before you. You can look into my eyes. I am completely clean and pure. Not because I bit my lip and got my freedom that way. Because I encountered him. (laughs) I encountered him. And he never gave up on me. He never left my side. He never just said, well, that's just on my worst day. He never lost sight of who I was. Beloved, it's not worth it to play Judas. It's not worth it. The other lovers are not worth it. Not worth. Sin will take you to where you never want to go, make you spend what you don't want to spend, and you'll look back at your life and find find it bankrupt. I beseech you, my brothers and my sisters, if that's you tonight, and, and you just feel this fresh grace of repentance, I'm not saying perfection, I'm not saying your promise to never do it again. I'm just saying the good, the bad, the ugly, I'm yours. That's what I said to the Lord. I said, God, I don't know where this is going to end. I don't know if I ever will be free. I had lost all hope at that point. But I'm giving you my good, the bad, the ugly. You're going to have to sort out the details. And guess what? The master potter did a really good job. Because the God of peace himself will sanctify you. He never says pull back your sleeves and sanctify yourselves. He says the God of peace himself will sanctify you. Body, soul, and spirit. He's faithful. He's faithful. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You know the routine. If that's you and you feel just a fresh grace of repentance where you You've just realized, Lord, I've gone after every other lover, and I've tried to find my, my heart satisfaction in every other place. And I want to come back to you, Lord. I was tired, but I'm sorry, Lord. I'm telling you, friend, there's forgiveness, and there's redemption for you tonight. If that's you, I want you to slip up your head, hand. And I want you to raise it up in the air. And I, and there's no shame or guilt in this room. No judgment. Only grace and mercy. And I want you to come up to this, this altar. Because it's not me that you're making covenant with. It's the very God of redemption who longs to redeem our souls. So if you were so bold to raise up your hand, I want you to come up to this altar. And I want you to make a fresh altar for him.